The film and TV show is part of Britpod Scene, an independent network of uniquely British podcasts that's always growing. Check out BritpodScene.com or follow Britpod Scene on Twitter to find out more. I'm doing what I enjoy doing. It is such fun creating characters, writing stories. It's an exciting life. And when you do something that you know the fans seem to enjoy, that gives you such satisfaction, you don't want to stop. Writing comes very easily to me. Everything else in the world is tough. <laughs> but writing, I don't have any problem with that. I, it, I can't write fast enough to keep up with, what, with the things I want to say. To me, it's still been a short life. I hope it goes on a lot longer. But I think if you do what really excites you, it just keeps you going as, as long as possible. I didn't consciously try to buck trends. What I tried to do was write the kind of stories I would want to read. And sometimes I had to buck a trend to do that. I think whatever you do, you should do what you most want to do and what you're best at. Too many people don't really do what their heart's desire is, but they try to do something else because they think, well, it'll be easy to get a job or to make money. And if that happens, then when you're doing it, you feel like you're working. But if you do what you really want to do, you feel like you're playing. It's easier for you to do. I think you have to do what you do best and what you enjoy, and then you have a better chance. There you are. Um, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. That was uh, taken from one of the last interviews that Stan Lee ever did. Um, so some very wise words in there as well, actually, when, you, uh, when you're when you thinking back. Yeah. Um, some really, really wise words in there. You know, do what you want to do. So if you haven't already guessed by, uh, by that intro, then, uh, yeah then you may as well just kind of switch off. But we are talking <laughs> about Stanley, and obviously it was this time last week we, we broke the news that Stanley had... No, we, uh, we didn't break it. We weren't the... Uh, I'm telling you we broke it, all right? We, we, we broke it. But no, Stanley passed away just before uh, we went live last week. So it's only mm. fitting that we talk about Stanley today. Um, so, yeah, obviously I'm here and Alex is also here. It's, I don't even need to say joined by Alex because now yeah. it's just it's just the two of us. It's always just it's the, the two Richard of us. It's the Richard and Alex show. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We won't change it to that, but it, it is. That's Ouch. what it is. <laughs> no, it's fine. Um, <laughs> hey, look, it's not it's not the Richard show. It's the film and TV show. Yeah. So, um, so yes, yeah, so a slightly different intro there. I know it was a little bit longer than usual, but to get the full effect of... Uh, of a great man, and he was a great man. Yeah. You know? Yes, he was ninety-five, but he he was a great man. And what he did for, well, for not just comics, but for I suppose the cinema world, really. Mm. You know, he brought to us superheroes that were just, you know, in his time, were so different. And in in some of his interviews, he was actually talking about um, that he he tried to push. Um, for for a positive way, ethnic minorities and mm. um, you know sexuality uh, and everything to try and push everything to the forefront to to spread the word that it's okay, you know it's not. It, it, it don't be ashamed. You need to you need to embrace who you are as a person. And I think when it all comes down to it, when you look at every single one of his characters. They all embrace who they are. Yeah, 
yeah and they all deal with their own issues in uh different ways and i think marvel comics has been one of those uh one of those uh sort of leaders in popular culture and trying to um establish and like have people understand uh, the various different issues that are going on around them from things like the vietnam war to like homosexuality and accepting that within our culture and things like that um yeah it's i think marvel's done a fantastic job with stanley and uh hopefully stanley's left such a big imprint on marvel and all of his creations that that will continue for a lot longer and uh plenty of uh, time until obviously you know we pass it on to our kids and they pass it on to theirs and it can be sort of part of the established culture yeah um, i think i think nowadays superhero mm. movies they're 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 pretty much you know ingrained in the majority of uh, our modern life i mean you can i went christmas shopping mm. on the weekend for my kids yeah and um you know i managed to pick up a few a few bits and uh everywhere was just superheroes yeah. it wasn't avengers it was i mean i know he didn't do dc but it was dc if it yeah. wasn't dc you had individual people so you had like hulk and thor and spider-man mm-hmm. and even green lantern i saw a green lantern figure yeah unfortunately they still make those shut your <laughs> face shut your face i bet you're like i'll have 20 of those ones please <laughs> absolutely now all i needed ryan reynolds to sign them Ugh. But anyway, yeah, no. Getting but back to the proper anywhere, Marvel. Anywhere you go, you will find all things that are aimed at children mm. are either really, really young children-y stuff like Paw Patrol or Go-Jetters or whatever, or it's superheroes. It's Captain America, it's Iron Man, mm. it's Spider-Man. It's all of those that are synonymous with the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that stems from Stan Lee. Yep. All of it stems from from him, and you know, being I know that he was ninety five, so he was, you know, he was an old guy, but he was still going. He had a cameo yeah. last year. It was filmed last year. He's had for a cameo Avengers. for Avengers Four, so yeah. So that'll be the last time that we see him on screen. Oh, natural yeah. as such. I mean, whether they go down the route of dig- digitally mastering him into. Mm. Uh, into the films later I don't I don't know I mean for the last 10 years was it 10 years 12 years Mm. yeah about that because it's been it was a 10 year plan that they originally had for the Avengers to meet up with Thanos which they're doing now so yeah Yeah. um, it's about 10 years so ever since the very very first Iron Man he's been in every single Marvel film Mm. in some way shape or form oh well even before that he was in Marvel movies Um, the not so famous ones and uh, for instance, he was in Daredevil with Ben Affleck. Was he really? Yeah, yeah. Um, when Ben Affleck first gets his powers as as a kid, um, he he stops an old man from crossing the street. Who was just Stanley. about yeah to get hit by a car. And Do you know Stanley. what? I didn't know that. Yeah, I think he's in some of the, the uh, old school. Uh, I think he's in some of the like X Men, the originals, and uh, yeah, you'll have to go back and look. But he's in pretty much everything that's made by marvel yeah i can point. imagine i can imagine i mean i'm just going through he's even done like voice work for all the video games yeah that's true 
<clears throat> that is true. He has done, he, yeah. I mean, just going back, you can see he has actually done quite a lot. He has been in them, so... No, good for him. I mean, it's probably one of the stipulations he had to to actually be in in the films, which is great for, for cinema goers, I suppose, because now it's going to be a case of, right, let's spot Stanley. <laughs> Where can we find him? Yeah. For the more modern ones, it's relatively simple. He, it's kind of like in your face, you see it. But like you say, for the old ones, I didn't even realise. I mean, I didn't yeah. pay that much attention to the Daredevil film anyway because <laughs> it, it had Ben Arslech in it. So. I mean, he's... It's better than Green Lantern. Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your face. Anyway, so, Stan Lee wasn't actually born Stan Lee. He was born Stanley Martin Lieber on December 28th, 1922. It's a fair old time ago. It just seems like forever. Um, but he was uh, he was the son of Romanian-born Jewish immigrants Celia and Jack Lieber, and they lived in Manhattan. Mm. on West 98th Street and West End Avenue. I mean, that's just mad, isn't it? Can you imagine? You know, back then it was difficult anyway because mm. that's when you had the majority of the of the, of the migrants coming across. Yep. And uh, he was he was in that wave. And not only that, he was he was uh, he was definitely drafted for World War Two, or at least was a uh, World War Two veteran. I don't yes. know what sort of uh, regiment or uh, what he was doing during it, but... Um, well, he entered in 1942, and he was in the Signal Corps okay. as uh, repairing telephone poles. Yeah. That's what he did. Awesome. So. Yeah. And then he was given the task of... Um, and then he joined the 2nd Battalion, the 3rd US Regiment, based out of Joint Base Lewis McCord. And I've... Um, I, for a long period of time, like, even before the Marvel movies really kicked off, I was a big fan of comic books. I originally wanted to be a comic book artist, and, uh, like, all my friends can attest to that. I used to draw, like, superheroes over and over and over again, yeah. just like, it, it looked like uh, something out of a beautiful mind. I just kept scribbling them down all the time. Um, and I... I did a lot of research into Marvel um, in terms of how they got started up, how Stan Lee sort of began it all, taking on like um, comic book artists like Jack Kirby and everything like that. And it really did start as though he was um, trying to give the brand a uh, standout, like something different from the rest of the comic books. Uh, because a lot of the times, comic books at around the 1940s to 1960s they were following fads a bit like hollywood does now yeah where it would just be like oh what's popular at the time uh, romantic comic books okay we'll just dump a load of romantic stories on there like what's popular now western comic books okay we'll just drop a load and uh, stanley was the only person to really sort of go uh, we can we can take something we've done before um I think one of his first ever creations was the Human Torch for Marvel Comics. Yeah, Fantastic Four. Yeah, yeah. and uh, he created this character, and it was like a science fiction, uh, science fiction vibe that turned into superheroes, and he continued with that. And yeah, his uh, he fought tooth and nail for Spider Man because his publisher said no one likes spiders; they're not going to root for a superhero based with based on spiders. And like really? he, he absolutely fought tooth and nail to get Spider-Man created. Blimey. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he worked, when he was in Marvel, he worked with uh, Steve Ditko yeah. and Jack Kirby, didn't he? They were the ones he kind of spent a lot of time working with and just kind of nailing down the, you know, because he, he co-created Spider-Man, X-Men, Iron Man, Thor, mm-hmm. Hulk, Black Panther, Daredevil, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man with them. Ironically, um, Black Panther has nothing to do with the organisation. And uh, like he didn't even know about the Black Panther organization when he created the superhero. No. Yeah. So it was. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that for him. Obviously, you know, when were they? Sixties. Yeah. Seventies. Sixties. When 70s. was the Vietnam War? Because they were based uh, around the Vietnam War. Around sixty-seven. Yeah, to yeah. 69, so they kind of come to come to prominence in the late sixties, early seventies. So, yeah, I can imagine that it was kind of a little bit awkward having a superhero named after a. I mean, I think it was more ingratiating and like almost an honor for both ways. If you know, uh, if you sort of, I don't think they took it like bad. Uh, And I think um, I I remember hearing in some of the information building up to Daredevil and when he released Daredevil that he was so worried about creating a superhero with a um, disability. Yeah. Uh, and he was worried that there was going to be massive backlash, but he actually received a lot of positive uh, reinforcement from people with uh, sight disabilities and everything, saying, uh, thank you so much for sort of, like, believing that we can be super as well and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, I've just... There's so many instances of where he's created something and been like, oh, I'm really not sure if this is going to work. Yeah. And then it comes out and it absolutely shines. Well, I mean, you know, talking about Daredevil, that is, you know, that is the archetype of what he was trying to to get across when he was talking at the in the intro about, you know, pushing the boundaries and you know and breaking the mold and mm. and you know going against the grain because when he you know when he come up with Daredevil, like you say, nobody would have been like, oh, what a blind superhero, but it makes. To us, nowadays, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, you don't even think about it now. No, because you don't see it as a disability. You see it as a superpower. And that's what Stanley always tried to do, was to to make it so that everyone was inclusive, everybody was included when mm. it come to superheroes. And and I know it rang, rings true with a lot of children when they see people like Daredevil or, you know... Um, even Batman, I know it's DC, but still, when he is almost, you know, his back's done in, he can barely walk, etc., he still becomes a superhero. Mm. I think there's... Uh, I can't remember where I saw it, but it was certainly someone uh, someone had created, like, a meme about it, and it was comparing that DC has gods pretending to be men, and then Marvel has men pretending to be gods... Uh, I think it does speak to a lot of the super... Like, if when you cross-examine the superheroes of both of the franchises, DC, uh, even Batman, to a certain extent, are pretty much gods um, because they're so powerful. Yeah. Uh, even Batman, like, with his super intellect... Well, Batman was the very first ever mm. created superhero. Yeah. And it's the fact that, like, all all of DC is what you would say is an original archetype sort of hero in the fact that they've got uh, a broad array of powers and all of their alter egos are fairly successful uh, because you've got Clark Kent, who's uh, a really good journalist. You've yep. got 
um, Bruce Wayne, who's obviously a, a billionaire playboy. Yeah. Uh, and then when you do reverse it and have a look at Marvel, you've got Peter Parker, who's a struggling photographer, like constantly late, yeah, uh, late at his workplace. Um, even even Tony Stark, who is pretty much the closest thing to a Batman in Marvel cinematic, uh, well, Marvel comic book history, uh, and he's a broken alcoholic. Yeah. Like, he's got so many, like, personal issues that he's rendered almost useless no. in his normal Now, are we life. talking Are we talking about the character or the actor that plays him? <laughs> no, well, Robert Downey <laughs> Jr. had some problems in his past, but he's... Uh, now, isn't it funny that they, to clear it up. that they cast him as that role for that type of person? I mean, the, ir- cast. the irony of that is it can't be lost on avid fans. An alcoholic... See- well... An alcoholic slash uh, drug user seeking redemption, playing an alcoholic drug user seeking redemption. Yeah, the only difference is one had billions of dollars, the other was almost flat ass broke. Yes, yeah. That being the only difference. Um, but yeah, I mean. Th- and now probably one of the wealthiest actors. And probably one of the most revered as well. Yeah. For what he's brought to to that role. I mean, pe- people argue like with Hugh Jackman being Wolverine. Wolverine. I'm not being funny, right? You tell me how you would feel if someone else took up that mantle. You would be absolutely flipping livid. Yeah, it's the same thing with Tony Stark. Absolutely. You can't yeah. imagine anybody else. It's going to be difficult, nigh on impossible to recast them. Uh, there's been talks about you know recasting Wolverine as someone like Tom Hardy, but obviously Tom's got uh, Venom as a yeah. role. Uh, so he'll probably well, be sticking with that, that for didn't the time stop being. Josh Brolin. That's true. Hashtag just saying. That is Sony, uh, and now I think Fox has finally got rid, uh, done the sort of Spider-Man deal. And yeah. They've given the X-Men back to Marvel, which is a good thing. Um, <clears throat> but in, in terms of whether we'll see Tom Hardy take up the role of Wolverine, I, I mean, it's a 50-50 shot. I think the Venom movie was destroyed by critics but loved by the general audience. And we went through this, yeah. was it last week? Yeah. Where critics literally slam films because it's not going to win an Oscar. But that's yeah. people, and we said last week, you know, if you want to hear it, just go back and listen yeah, to it. It's but, the Michael but, Bay special. Yeah, but people don't, don't, you know, normal people don't give a shit whether it's an Oscar winner. They just want to be entertained. Exactly. They want to enjoy it. Critics but, don't. Exactly. And um, whether, whether he'll actually pick up Wolverine... I'm in two minds about, I think he'd do a good job, but I don't think he'd do, like, an amazing who's Hugh Jackman, uh, you know, make us forget about Hugh Jackman. Uh, I honestly think that's going to be a case of just waiting for a few years until an actor of, like, almost no sort of background comes up and just takes the role and uh, earns it. We're probably going to end up with a few flops, to be honest, Uh you know, a few actors picking up that role and just not not doing yeah. justice. Yeah, and and I think that's just going to be standard. To be perfectly honest, I think that's yeah. kind of what's gonna what's gonna. It's a bit like football managers. You have someone who's been doing it for so long. Mm. You bring someone else in, and, and inevitably they are judged on the predecessor. Yeah, and and I think that could well be. I I wouldn't like to see them bring back Wolverine. You wouldn't. Or no, you would. no, oh. I wouldn't. Um, because I would rather them leave it be now because he's kind of as a as a character he's run his course i would like to see um the the new one 
the, the young girl from the film Logan. X-23, yeah. Yeah, I'd like to see them go down that route now, leave Wolverine alone and focus on X-23. I would like to see stories based around that, and I'm sure Stanley would have thought the same. I think from um, from um, Disney slash Marvel's point of view now, I think if they've got any sense, they're probably going to avoid bringing Wolverine into it or trying to recast or do that. Um, but because it's a separate universe, it's not linked to the old X-Men universe. They yeah. could, in fact, get X-23 as a, as a young woman rather than a kid yeah, and uh, have someone do that. Um, there's also, uh, in the comic books, uh, he has a son, um, like a you know an actual son rather than a clone which tom hardy could do yeah uh darken is um basically like an a semi-evil wolverine because he's not 100 percent bad but he is an assassin and he just kills people and he really hates his father you um, see now that could be quite awesome and have tom hardy play yeah him as in if you think uh tom hardy's role in warrior yeah yeah uh that's pretty much him but with claws Sweet. Yeah. Can you imagine him? I mean, chip on his shoulder against the whole world, sort yeah, of thing. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Um, but yeah, you know, did you know that um, Stan Lee just going right yeah. back because that's who we're talking about, yeah. really? Well, um, Marvel and Stan Lee are synonymous. So, if we're well, they're the about, same thing, aren't they? Let's yeah. be honest. In ni- the late fifties, right? Yeah. DC Comics editor um, Julius Schwartz he revived uh, superheroes by bringing up an updated version of The Flash. Mm. So in response to that, uh, a publisher, Martin Goodman, told Lee, Stan Lee, to come up with a new superhero team. And Stan Lee's wife said to him, why don't you just do and do stories about what you want to do? Yeah. You know, what you want to read. And that's what he did. He'd come up with The Fantastic Four. Yeah, and that's... um that's how it sort of begins and like Human Torch is one of those uh, I think very near and dear to his heart because it was one of the first creations and um, yeah and and like it was back and forth between DC and Marvel for a long time it was a tete-a-tete wasn't it yep yeah, uh, they released a different hero so Marvel would respond Marvel releases a hero so DC would respond um, there's a lot of Controversy around certain comic book characters resembling too similarly to, uh, you know, their counterparts. You got Deathstroke from DC looking just like Deadpool. I know, right? No one knows which came first because obviously, when you're creating a character, who can tell when you pu- publish it? Exactly. You could create it years before, mm. but only gets published after a while. Um, the Fantastic Four was created with Jack Kirby. Yeah, and they were based on Kirby's previous superhero team, Challengers of the Unknown, which was published ironically by DC Comics. Um, and because of the popularity, they basically produced a, a cavalcade and a conveyor belt of people. In so, um, uh, here's a little throwback for you. In Captain America's The First Avenger, uh, Chris Evans did play the Human Torch. He did, uh, and in the that's in the original film, though the original Fantastic Four yeah. with uh, Ewan Grufford and, uh, and Jessica Jess Alba yeah. and um, Michael Chiklis. Yeah, Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. Um, but he played the original Human Torch, and when you look at the beginning, when he's still the scrawny kid form, yeah, uh, 
he's at Tony, uh, Tony Stark's father, Howard Stark's expo. Yes. Uh, on a date with uh, like um, some two random girls and uh, Bucky's like a, it's a double date sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the expos, like this big sort of glass tube, has a suit. It's the original mock-up of the original Human Torch. Uh, and it's ah. got the human torch in it, so it's a little nod to both Chris Evans, uh, Chris Evans' previous role, and also the original Human Torch, which is actually pretty awesome. Yeah, that is actually pretty awesome. It's, it's big and bulky, and it looks a bit like a cross between a scuba diver outfit and uh, astronaut, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, you know. Um, here's a thing for you then: What is Marvel's most successful character? Um, I'm going to say Spider-Man. Yeah. It is. Spider-Man. Most successful character ever in Marvel. Yeah, definitely. Like, by a clear country mile, according to Wiki. He's the Um, poster boy for Marvel, really. Yeah. Which is ironic that they sold him to Sony. I know. That that is kind of... Well, it's the movie rights, I guess. Yeah, but but I don't think Stan Lee kind of figured everything would blow up the way it has done. And obviously... No. You know, when you sell to, to a big studio such as Sony, you kind of think, well, actually, hey, Megabucks come in here, but then you then get Marvel becomes their own studio and, then and they've lost, they haven't got the rights to it and you see the likes of Iron Man really kick on. Yeah, and to be honest, I think it's mainly more down to Sony's mishandling of the product than anything. Yeah, but didn't they screw it up massively? It's just the fact that they had a story, they released it, and then they decided to re-release it, and it was hardly any different. No. Like, um, you know, Andrew Garfield's, an, you know, a decent actor, but I think a lot of people had problems with the fact that he was so, uh, I don't know, cool? Yeah. Because Spider-Man's a bit, uh, supposed to be a bit nerdy and a bit like your everyman, and Andrew Garfield really didn't sort of come off that way. He was still reminding me of uh, his character from the social network. That yeah, Steve Jobs, uh, not Steve Jobs, uh, Mark Zuckerberg's best yes. friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, yeah. So the X Men were, I think, nineteen nineteen sixties again, nineteen uh, sixties, nineteen seventies, and that was a response to um, well, that the whole thing is an allegory for. Uh, homosexuality and like in in the X-Men movie the original one or it might be X-Men 2 Uh, X-Men 2 is where the school's attacked by loads of troops yeah yeah I remember now Um, Wolverine goes with uh, Iceman to his home that's right yes and uh, they have that sort of uh, mutant coming out yes yeah, which is very, very similar to when people come out. Yeah, have you tried not being a mutant and things like that? It's yeah, like, yeah. You can't really change who you are as a person. No, and I think that was that was a very clever way for, for Stanley to actually get that across. Mm. And, yeah, um, I think the first two characters I realised that were, uh, that, they, that Marvel, I don't know if they retroactively did it or did it in a different storyline, but the first two homosexual characters that I was aware of in this X-Men universe was actually Nightcrawler and um, Colossus. Yeah. That was... Uh, I don't know how recent that was, but... Yeah, that was um, the first time that I was like, oh, wow, comic books are actually trying to diversify a bit and um, expand. 
and that's ultimately ultimately what what Stanley wanted to do. And I think mm. he did go against the grain quite a lot in terms of that because you know in the time he was creating all the characters, yeah. there were a lot of people that were saying, "Hang on a minute, you know what are you doing this for? Why don't you stick to the tried and tested?" Yeah, but he just kind of stuck two fingers up at him and was like, "I'm going to do shit my way." <laughs> And created, you know, all the companies that he had. I mean, he had Stanley Media, which was an offshoot as well, which he did with um, one of his friends, um, which was ultimately then sold to Marvel Studios anyway. Because mm. um, he, he kind of upstepped, upstepped, uh, upstaged. Kind of, no, no, he kind of stepped away Upstep. from uh, from Marvel in, uh, in the 1990s, but they still paid him a million dollars every year as yeah. he was chairman emeritus so um it was him and paul peter paul i'm not being funny but how close is that to peter parker didn't you notice that you always had a thing about having the first names and the surname start yeah. with the same it's it's for memory it's um so that people can remember their heroes matt murdoch peter parker uh there are others stephen strange yep uh ironically i don't think tony stark is bruce banner is um yeah, I'm just trying to think of Steve Rogers isn't. No, but they're more recent though. No, Steve Rogers and Tony Stark were some of the originals. Again, like they were pretty, pretty old characters. It's just I think uh, it started with. I'm not sure if it. No, because Spider-Man came after the Hulk, so uh, I have no idea. But um, some of the characters he does it with, some of them he he doesn't. But it is. Uh, it's a case of basically just getting your audience to remember like if they remember the f- like the last or the first name then they've got a hint as to how the last or first name goes yeah which is very very clever mm. uh, and and on that note talking about one of the people that don't um don't have uh, matching names but we have spoken to them we're going to play this little song and then be back
There you go. That was ACDC with Thunderstruck, which was from Avengers. But it is the very first... Uh, it's where Tony Stark hacks yeah, and the, then uh, the, the, the jet thing that... Um, the Quinjet, I think yeah, it's called. Yeah, the Quinjet that uh, Black Widow is flying yep. just as they go to attack Thor in Berlin attack Loki Loki even in Berlin yep yeah because he's uh, yeah he's got his uh, <laughs> his staff and his horns and he's trying to make everyone bow down and yeah they're like uh, yeah it's not going to happen the last time we did that it didn't end very well yeah um, that is like I think if we're looking critically at Marvel I think there's one thing that we can say which is they have struggled a lot with their villains, as in yeah they've they've nailed it a couple of times. Obviously Thanos. Thanos is probably the best, the best. Yeah, yeah. And Loki uh, a close second because obviously he's very popular um, to a point where I think he's not even classed as a villain much anymore. No, he's he's kind of he's a bit antagonistic, but I wouldn't class him as a villain because he's always eventually helping out and stuff. Uh, which is funny to think that you can uh, Marvel has gotten away with having a mass murderer in Avengers turn around and be so likable that we're rooting for him in the Avengers. I know 3. he dies, and everyone's like, "No, yeah, no, what's going on?" <laughs> so remember, he killed a lot of people in New York. Um, yeah, he also tried to kill his dad. Yeah, and he also tried to kill Thor. Yeah, multiple Several times. times. Yeah, even like as an infant, apparently. Yeah, he tried to kill Bruce, <laughs> Bruce Banner. Yep. Um, tried to get in the head of the Black Widow. Yeah. He I, got Hawkeye to do a lot of killing. That is true. So yeah, he is actually like a mass murderer. But still, we love him. But still, we love him, and you know, it, it, it's a genius on the on the original creation mm. that he would that Stanley would pick. The, the the Norse gods yeah that's that's always been one of his best qualities has been able to take not just Norse gods uh, in the comic books there's Hercules who's best friends with Thor um, there's gods, goddesses, mythical beasts <laughs> science fiction like you name it he's introduced it uh, and it's and it is really really weird when you think about that you're watching what should technically be in like a a high fantasy film like Lord of the Rings with Thor uh, and placing it right next to Guardians of the Galaxy which are straight out of Star Wars yeah it's mental um, but somehow like a credit to the directors for pulling it off and making it believable uh, and definitely a credit to the creator for thinking of thinking of it in the first place I mean you just got you got to think of back in the 60s what sort of <laughs> drugs <laughs> I was going to say what what sort of help did he have to come up with these people I mean he mm. must have been on acid or LSD he must have been on something because let's be honest nobody would have really come up with that even now people don't really come up with we're in that period now where like I think um, I think creatives uh individual people that are very talented at creating things um there's a lot of negative feelings about creating new things uh saying that everything's been done by now uh you can't have an original thought without copying someone or cheating or doing something like that and i think that really does stifle a lot of people's imaginations to yeah. think outside the box 
Uh, and unfortunately, I really do believe that Stanley was one of the last few that we've that we've seen. Uh, and I don't think we're going to have anyone that matches him for a fair few years, unfortunately. No, I don't think so either, because I think you're right. I think the creativity in the world we live in now is so stunted and so offended. It's about making money more than it is creating something. Yeah, and that's ultimately what it comes down to. I mean, if Iron Man had flopped and, apparently, the studios were expecting it to be a little bit average. They weren't expecting (laughs) it to be very, very good. Wow. Because it wasn't something that they thought the studio, that the audiences would want. Yeah. They were... Because remember, when Iron Man come out, we're we're talking like the mid-2000s, when it first kind of being mooted around. Yeah. You know, they had a recovering alcoholic and drug addict in the lead role. You had... um, Somebody who was arrogant and pompous, <laughs> stuck up his own ass. Prima donna. Yeah, people don't want to see that. They don't. They don't. Well, the studios assumed that people didn't want to see that. And after you had um, like Tobey Maguire as Spider Man, oh. which the first one did well. First one was good. Uh, second one was better, I think. In my book, I think. Um, you see a lot more of Sam Raimi's directorial style in the second one than you do the first. And then the third one was garbage. Yeah, but then, you know, because you had... Garbage being lit on fire and thrown in poop. Well, yeah, it was... Who casts Topher Grace's Eddie Brock? They need to check the mental health of that person. I know, it's... You do have to kind of live and wonder, don't you? Because you, you just kind of think, hang on a minute, that's a bit He's, dodgy. He, all he was known for was that 70s show, and they cast him in that as, like, a villain. Yeah. I mean, you had the the very first Spider-Man film, 2002. Yeah. Spider-Man 2, 2004. Spider-Man 3, 2007. Yeah. Okay. And then when you look at Iron Man... Iron Man come out in 2008. Mm-hmm. So, hot on the heels of the the worst Spider-Man film with Tobey Maguire. Yeah. They bring out Iron Man. Now, it's understandable that the studios will be thinking, mm, hang on a minute. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those things where you've... I think no one expected Spider-Man 3 to flop as hard as it did. Uh and I think people at the time they watched it and they were like yeah it's a it's a fun movie and we're all sort of apologetic but now we look back on it we understand that it was terrible um and then a year later you get Iron Man uh which I remember hearing about I remember watching some of the like teaser adverts and everything and thinking well this could be either really good or really bad yeah and then I saw the teaser for the actual Iron Man Mark 1 suit and I was like oh God, please do not let that be the like final suit that yeah. he's wearing. Um, and then I was like, "Oh no, it's probably like his original, uh, like original build." Um, <laughs> and yeah, I I didn't really know much of Robert Downey Jr. I'd seen him in a couple of other movies, a bit like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, uh, and thought he was all right in that. Um, but I'd never really thought of him as Tony Stark until obviously you see him on screen and then the charisma just happens and uh, 
now he's an international superstar because of it. And uh, mad, isn't it? I honestly only watched uh, Tropic Thunder because I saw Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, name in it. So I was like, oh, give that a try. Give that a go, yeah. And it turned out to be a really great comedy as well. Which isn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. So the very, very first ever superhero that was created <coughs> was Namor, the Submariner. Oh, yeah, that guy. Pointy ears, flathead. Yep. Um, Human Torch was in 1939. Yep. Then you had Electro. Oh, interesting. In 1940. Black Widow, also in 1940, with Falcon, Toro, Vision, Captain America, Bucky, Blazing Skull, Black Marvel, Finn, Thunderer, Father Time, Destroyer, The Wizard, all in 1941. Mm. That was a fucking busy year, weren't it? <laughs> Uh, Miss America in 1943, Patsy Walker in 44, Blonde Phantom 46, Nomura 47. These were all the sort of World War II almost propaganda esque. Yeah. And then uh, Loki. Comic books. Loki was in 1949. But n- and that was classed as the Golden Age, yeah. apparently. Um, and you hit the Silver Age, which is uh, um, where well, Spider Man and things Well, you've like got that. 1960s, right? So 1960, Groot. Randomly, Groot in <laughs> yeah, 1960. In I mean, that's just mad. The Fantastic Four. It's the thing is, though, that they tested these heroes by dropping them randomly into the others. Yeah, they so just dropped be, them into different comics. Like Punisher first appeared in Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, and, like, if they got a good reception, if if the comic book was sold, like, a lot, then that was, like, a, a key for them to be like, okay, so this character's good, we can introduce them if it wasn't sold that highly they took that character put them in a team and that's how they did it to try and increase sales of other books and yeah. things yeah so fantastic Four sixty one, 61 right mm-hmm. hank pym yep 62 with the hulk rick jones spider-man <laughs> thor and blade the brave and heimdall all in 1962 iron man in 63 and then the Howling Commandos, yep. May 63 as well. Nick Fury's Howling Commandos. Absolutely. You've also got Wasp, Doctor Strange, the X-Men, Magneto, the Avengers in 63. In First. 1964, you've got Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, Sif, Black Widow as Natasha Romanova. Mm-hmm. Not Romanov, Romanova. Mm-hmm. Daredevil, Hawkeye, Wonder Man, Clea all in 1964 then you got Hercules Kazar Shield The Warriors 3 The Inhumans all in 65 Eric Koenig uh, Silver Surfer Sharon Carter Peggy Carter Black Panther um, Black Goliath Mm -hmm. in 66 Uh, I mean Captain Marvel 1967 Carol Danvers aka Miss Marvel 68 Vision was redone in 68. Yeah. Uh, Polaris. The Guardians, the original Guardians, so Charlie 27, Major Victory, Martin X and Yondu yep. in 69. Um, with, and Stingray was brought in <laughs> in Submariner issue number 19. Um, then you've got the 70s, um, Valkyrie, the Squadron Supreme, Man Thing, Mockingbird, Mobius, the Defenders in 1971. Mm. But the Defenders was Doctor Strange, Hulk, and Namor. Yeah. 
So Adam Warlock in 72, which we know is coming in one of the future films. Hopefully, in the next phase, yeah, hopefully. Uh, Luke Cage, Ghost Rider, Tigra, Shannara, the She-Devil, Thundra. They sound like fucking Thundercats. Yeah, they do. There, There is like a... There's a small period of which uh, a lot of them sound like... Uh, and they're all usually like half cat as well. Yeah. Uh, and I'm... Like, when I see it, I'm like, that must have been an influence from thundercats taking off it has to have been because just the name i mean thundra shana the she-devil sounds like what you would find yeah yeah um drax the destroyer in 73 with mantis blade brother voodoo damon Um, hellstrom i won't be surprised that if after the avengers we get an immortals film we have to i think uh, think. with adam warlock as lead so i think we have to um, the Punisher was um, you're right, was actually first brought out. You're right. Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man number one twenty nine. Yep. Um, Iron Fist was in Marvel premiere number fifteen in seventy four, uh, with Clean Wing in Marvel premiere number nineteen. So four issues later, she was brought out. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're not going to see much more of that on TV. <laughs> Thankfully, because that was a pile yeah. of shit. Um, Wolverine seventy four. Mm-hmm. His full cameo was in November, but he was brought out in, uh, funnily enough, in the, the Incredible, Incredible Hulk, Hulk. Yep. issue number 180. He goes versus the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. Um, you've got the all-new, all-different X-Men, which is Cyclops, Banshee, Sunfire, Wolverine, Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm and Thunderbird. Giant Size X-Men, issue number one, 1975. Um, you've got Gamora, Moon Knight, The Champions, White Tiger, Star-Lord... Marvel preview number four Hellcat Rocket Raccoon 1976 um, Nova 1976 as well mm-hmm. which is Nova Core yeah uh, Spider Woman which we've yet to see but that would be great to see if they go down to Spider Man they're see, doing all the other women type superheroes so why not Spider Woman yeah um, saying one of the things that I uh, have seen recently is there's an animated movie saying uh, called Into the Spider Verse uh, well it's sort of like semi-computer animated slash hand-drawn I'm not sure which but um, one of the things that started crossing my mind was imagine doing a Spider-Verse movie where um, Tom Holland goes through a portal ends up face to face with uh, Andrew Garfield and also Tobey Maguire oh man can you imagine how good that would be and then you could bring in um, oh What's her name? Emma Stone as uh, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Girl. Yep. Uh, I think she's called uh, Spider-Gwen. Spider-Gwen, yeah. Um, And, yeah, I'd love to see a couple of different actresses, a couple of different actors all take on the role of Spider-Man and, like, all team up to have, like, this massive group of Spider-Men, effectively. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Men and women. (laughs) Well, yeah, obviously. I mean... um talking about the Spider-Verse Venom was only created in 1984 yep but he's I, one of the most famous I know right you've got um, it's because he's nice and iconic it's just like polar opposite to Spider-Man yeah um, Cable Gambit Living Lightning Deadpool X-Force Infinity Watch Domino War Machine The Night Stalkers all in 1990s uh, yes. along with Scarlet Spider that's why I'm such a fan of Gambit I knew there was a reason <laughs> um, literally like all chucked out in 1990s because yeah. y- you know they were in there and then you've got 
in the early 2000s you've got ones that we've not really seen so you've got I mean apart from like Jessica Jones or The Runaways I'd like to say that in the 90s everything got a little bit edgier <laughs> yeah like everyone started wearing like leather trench coats or something um, <laughs> The Matrix had a massive influence on like everything yeah and, uh, the whole punk rock like death metal and things like that started influencing comics as well yeah I mean Maria Hill who's quite famous in S.H.I.E.L.D. and in the Avengers films, was only created in 2005. Yeah, I remember reading uh, the first new, And that was in New Avengers her. number four. Yeah, and she's she's a pivotal role in, in the comic books in Civil War, and she's not a very likeable character in that, but um, she's still like a figurehead of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, she takes over from Nick Fury, who goes missing uh, at a certain point, but... Um, yeah, the the comics are incredibly, incredibly, like, developed to a point where I picked up a comic book about a year ago, <laughs> and I picked it up specifically because it was so random. It was vampires attacking the X-Men. Uh, they had to get... Uh, they had to resurrect Dracula to fight the new vampires. What? Uh, and Blade was with them. And I was just super confused. You know Jubilee? Yeah, she yeah. She becomes a vampire. What? Yep. Um, Wolverine goes undercover as a vampire uh, because his healing factor can actually stop the vampirism spread through his okay. body. That makes sense. Uh, it's super weird and super cool. And like one of the best parts is they have a massive uh, battle at the end of it, and Iceman gets blessed by a priest, so his ice becomes holy water effectively. That's fucking ridiculous. And Namor also, I think like gets blessed because he's helping out the x-men so the entire ocean is holy water uh and it's just insane but it's so good there's one that gets me right and i'm looking at it right now and i'm not even going to pretend that i haven't used wiki to find out when all these were created i'm not going to lie mm. of course i am I'm, I, I know a lot of shit but i don't know that in depth okay. the guardians of the galaxy that were first brought out okay the new mm. incarnation, yeah, two thousand and eight, in Annihilation Conquest number six, Star Lord, Rocket Raccoon, Quasar, Adam Warlock, Jack Flag, Gamora, Drax the Destroyer, and Groot. Okay, no, yeah, nothing like the incarnation that we have at the moment. Yeah, there's the Guardians of the Galaxy are a very rotational team. Um, uh, Star Lord's not always in it as the leader. There's also a guy called. Uh, I think his name is Jack Flagg uh, and he's basically a Captain America but set in space he's like a kid that grew up like fascinated with Captain America yeah. uh, and he actually gains superpowers similar to him so he takes on the moniker Jack Flagg and wears like a, a bandana face mask that is nice. um, the American flag we have a Gwenpool from 2016 yeah, in Howard the Duck volume 6 number 1 yep that's there are some crazy crazy inclinations of different seen, characters now, see, now there is a character that I can get behind <laughs> Howard the Duck Howard the Duck he was in um, he was in a cameo in one of them yeah yeah he was in the cameo with Guardians uh, I think yeah I think it was right at the end yeah because whereas, he was locked up the collector had him yeah but <laughs> you've only got to, I mean that's only some of the characters that Stanley has either created or had a hand in creating yeah because lest we not forget that even though he handed over the reins of Marvel, he was still a huge, huge part. And he still had a huge part in 
the actors that were cast in the way that they were portrayed and mm -hmm. he's done several interviews where he said that he's so proud of how the studios have taken his scribbles as he calls them he called them his scribbles yeah and turned them into something that can help people feel better about themselves I don't have the exact clip unfortunately but mm. I remember watching it and I saw it on Facebook it was just after he died last week and I remember watching it and I thought that's so cool yeah do you know what I mean he's you only have to watch interviews that he's done before to realise that he was just a humble bloke yeah. he just enjoyed drawing and writing well he did the writing other people did the drawing but he created the characters and they were drawn by Jack Kirby or um, or everybody else who kind of took on the mantle and mm. he was always so proud of how people would have their own takes you know you see a lot of comic artists especially at comic cons that do drawings of famous superheroes and they have their own little little takes to it and for him I think he felt honoured that people actually cared enough about his scribbles well it's it's so ingrained in pop pop culture now that you get people walking around with X-Men tattoos like yeah. Spider-Man tattoos it's just like people associate and they say oh yeah um, favourite favourite superhero is definitely Spider-Man like uh, I've got like his spider symbol on my arm and things like that it's just yeah. it's to a point where people identify so strongly with the Marvel and even DC to a point yeah. but it's <laughs> as much one, as I one... don't like giving them credit no the one thing that Stanley has always said, though, is that when he created his characters, he wanted them to have dialogue. Yeah. He said the one thing he hated was the fact that there were comic books or characters that didn't have very much dialogue. They had no depth. They had nothing about them as a character. You couldn't buy into them. It was just a one-dimensional story. Yeah. And he said that the one thing that he always, always did was put dialogue and substance to his characters and I think that's what we can see when it comes to the cinematic universe and we see it on screen and mm. we all sit back in awe and I, I, I don't think that we can thank Stanley enough for what he's brought to, to the world not only to comics because he changed the landscape for comics forever Yeah. Um, when he first started doing his doodles so we can't not say thank you to Stanley for that and you know people die uh, celebrities die and they say oh you know they're a legend you know but, and, and that's fine you know people impact people in other ways Stanley impacted so many people over so many decades mm. and I think that the impact that he will have moving forward especially for children growing up especially like the you know, like my kids mm. it will be all the superheroes and it'll be what Stanley done and you know we we can't forget that and I don't think anyone ever will I think you know people do forget he was 95 yeah he he had he, a good and he life he was old but he did have a great life and he gave so much to so many people and um, a few people that I know on Facebook who met him and said he was just such a lovely guy he just wanted to talk and he you know you could have been forgiven for him being a little bit offish like some of the actors who play his characters are yep. but he wasn't he just wanted to talk to people and and I think people we don't get people like that anymore they just want to talk um, 
but you know it it's, it it was a sad day sad week for for you know superhero lovers film fans and and comic book lovers so um so yeah but that brings us to the end of our show that brings us to the end of the show um we hope you enjoyed it we hope you learned a little bit about stanley people will just say oh stanley rah. we hope you've given we've given you a little bit of insight into him as a person mm. um and not just the random guy who appears in films because most people will just kind of associate him with that um, but that's it that's your lot we will see you all again next week hope you have a great week and uh, yeah be good there is one more thing it's been emotional Still count on you as a